Just like that, the second hour is here on this Friday edition. Hutton and Withrow for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Reacting to last night's round one, we'll be previewing the upcoming weekend of the NFL Draft, which is just underway. Two more days. Round two getting underway later tonight. Taylor Bashotti will join us, NFL Network host from Los Angeles. That will be in hour number three. That's in about an hour and 15 minutes from now. Chad, before we get to our, our best picks, our favorite picks, and maybe the biggest head scratchers, the, the players who openly said they were shocked to get drafted as high as they were. Devin Witherspoon, number one, he went number five overall to Seattle, said he was stunned. Yeah, I know another went, one. And Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs yeah. said he had he was shocked that he I love went to that. 12. I love that honesty about it. Because most of the time, guys, oh, no, I had great meetings with them, and I know I'm worthy of this pick, and I, I, I expected it all along. I love when a guy comes out and says, no, I'm completely stunned that they drafted me this high. Uh, amazing night for me. Yeah, and, I mean, while many will consider those reaches, that is an example of just going with your board, drafting the franchise player you feel like is your guy, and just owning it, regardless of where you're picking, and not waiting, not trying to trade back. And the Detroit with the two first-round picks in, in that respect, and I know Seattle had that too, but Seattle's drafting fifth. Um, Detroit drafting where they were, maybe Gibbs to me was the bigger surprise that they didn't flip-flop the picks. I know the linebacker later would have, was also what many consider a quote-unquote reach. But I think that tells you where Detroit feels like they are roster-wise and how close the lines are to actually pushing through to that next level in that division. And I think they have a right to believe right yeah, now they that, that they are close. And they have three picks tonight in the second round. I still, and I know Jared Goff had a good year. I just, I'm I hesitant to go all in that this is a team that could legitimately do some damage because of the quarterback. But Hutton... You know, you, you brought it up. Maybe maybe uh, that's a good spot for Hendon Hooker. Someone that could eventually be the guy, yeah. but sits for a year. And that would be one of those scenarios great... where he sits behind Jared Goff, but they may find once he gets healthy and they start to see him, okay, this is our future franchise quarterback. Chad, the franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young. Um, in, a, in a draft where there was not much certainty at all, it's clear that Carolina traded up and they knew exactly who they were going after. But maybe we've said this in the past. I feel like we, we are paying less and less attention to the number one overall pick in the NFL draft now. Where we, we even did it last year with what Jacksonville did. But yeah. like, there was not much hype there because it wasn't the quarterback draft. In this case, it was. But like Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow, if they're going number one overall, they're a topic today in some way. Yes. Bryce Young, I'm not sure how much he's getting mentioned today. I, I just, I, I think the issue with that is he would get more mention and more talk if it wasn't such a stunning pivot of the draft right after him with what the Texans did. Because everyone's believing it wasn't going to be Stroud, then it was. And then they trade up to three. Yep. And there's another shot. So it was, that was the most expected thing of the night. And because it was so expected, it's, it's not getting a lot of talk. Here's something else that kills me. I don't want to make this whole show about media criticism mm -hmm. on, this, on the draft night. But when Susie Colbert goes into that long story right before the pick is made about how it's like a, a wedding 
and you know, picking your spouse, and we're going to use wedding analogies, and <laughs> talking about David Tepper, and then the general manager, and Frank Reich all looked at each other, and they met eyes, and they thought, <laughs> all on Monday, she claims that on Monday, they all made the decision that, yeah, this is our guy, Bryce Young is our guy, that this is going to happen, and I'm thinking, this did not happen this week, they knew for a while, that Bryce, I, I don't, we can stop with the selling of the suspense. They knew they were drafting when they made point, that. Yeah. When they trade I, away I think the there assets, was some, they did. Some line about the final decision was made on Monday, and I'm thinking, no, it wasn't. They they knew when this was going to happen. I understand where she was trying to go with all of it, but when the Panthers traded up to number one, they were drafting Bryce Young. They had their eyes open and their mind open to other things. And some people thought it was CJ Stroud they, at, they at first. It, they did it to but, draft. Bryce Young. I agree. And it, it, there's I mean, no yeah, hesitation. We, we thought, you know, we thought it could be someone else's point. I'm saying they knew. Yeah. When they made that determination and went to number one, they said, this is our guy. It's Bryce Young. You're not going to trade in advance and not know what you're trading for. Yeah. I mean, you know you're getting a quarterback, but you're not going to trade for just any quarterback in that spot. Right? I, I love Bryce Young, the player. I, I would be deathly afraid if I'm a Panthers fan about him getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I earlier... You were out on Wednesday. My, my thing Wednesday was the, the most undersold storyline of the quarterbacks is that, his size. Because, I, I mean, I think you could make an argument based on the hits. And I know he's elusive and he's, he's twitchy. Based on the hits, does he play a 17-game season? Can you get, like, I know you can't guarantee that at all, but at that position, you can almost say, hey, the rules are set up to keep them healthy. But it's not his height. It, it is his build. When you see him in person, it is jarring maybe a stretch. But you're like, that's a, he's the Alabama quarterback? You and I were watching warm-ups two years ago, and we're thinking... He's well, hey, little. Yeah, he, he is small. And it, it's not, again, it's not the 5'10 height. It is, he's thin. Yeah, he looks like a point guard in basketball, but even a thin point guard. Yeah. For college basketball is the way he looks but physically. He can, he can spin it, man. And I mean, they're you know watching the draft last night. No quarterback has ever been taken in the first round as small as him. And they went through some of the smallest first round quarterbacks in history. Tua Tagovailoa being one of them at barely six feet, but I think he's two ten. I mean, five ten, two o four. Yeah. yeah but everyone knows he's not playing at two o four. Right. He's probably playing at one ninety in the NFL. That's crazy. I mean, go back to the days of Doug Flutie, who eventually played the NFL and played well. Well, he's listed. He's listed at he 194 going, at Bama. He wasn't going to the NFL in the first round. And we know how they exaggerate in in college programs. Oh uh, yeah, no, he's, he's listed at 194. He's probably he's probably 180, yeah. 185. But point being, he is going to play bigger in the NFL. But that might be 190. He's not playing at 204. But I, just go yeah, through he's go through history that. of the quarterbacks who were small who didn't get a chance in the first round. And here's Bryce Young going number one overall. It's a testament to him and his play. We all see the arm strength, we all I mean, the arm talent. He can make every throw. He's got great reaction. He's a good decision maker on the field. He has all the intangibles. So I like the pick for Carolina, but I would be deathly afraid of that injury. And to Indianapolis, where they stick at four and they take Anthony Richardson. And listening to Chris Ballard's presser, and his interview with Pat McAfee last night, he admitted that he saw the he was seeing the smoke signals for the third overall selection and thinking, oh, are they are the Titans? Is that report correct? 
are they actually going to move up to three and potentially take the quarterback we want? Because he admitted that they had zeroed in on Richardson, which is why they were so patient sticking at four, thinking that if uh, Carolina and Houston did what we thought they would do, they could still end up with the quarterback that they wanted. And he said, he, he told his staff that you just have to hold, hold steady and just see how it plays out. It's a risk. But they, without hesitation, go with Anthony Richardson. And without hesitation, they're already saying, like, they, they feel like they can develop him. And Steichen plays a huge factor in this. They can develop Anthony Richardson into the ceiling level of where his, his overall prospect and talent level is right now. High, high ceiling. But lowest floor of the crop. And at the presser, he just straight up says, like, we understand it may be ugly early, but we're going to develop this guy into the quarterback that we feel like he can be, and he's just the straight athletic raw talent now. And he claims that about 10 days in after taking the job, Steichen called Ballard and said, hey, have you, have you seen this kid? We can do some things with Anthony Richardson. And it turns out that they end up drafting Anthony Richardson. That they're willing to invest in that raw ability. Yeah. And it's a risk. It's a huge but risk. But it is a massive reward. Huge risk, on. massive reward. Like most big risk in life, that's, that's what it equates to. And what does Ballard have to lose now? You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a 500 I, GM. So here's my question. If it's the Titans that trade up to three and not right. the Texans – and they draft Anthony Richardson, would the Colts have taken Stroud. Will Levis? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying... That Stroud went two? Stroud goes two to the Texans. At three, it's not the Texans that trade up to three. It's the Titans. They trade up and get Anthony Richardson. Would the Colts, sitting put, would they have then taken Will Levis? I mean, and would he have avoided this nightmare had that scenario worked out and he, gone, he went fourth maybe, overall? Maybe, but if the, if, the, if the Texans don't take C.J. Stroud... They could have taken Will Levis at twelve, which was the report, right? Well, not if the Colts take him. Well, see, my my whole Black Mirror scenario what here we know, is what, what we, would have happened with the Colts but at I that think, spot? Would they have gone with Will Levis to take well, the quarterback? Well, tweeting about Will Levis today. he's he's already I, asking I think Colts fans to vote and say, "Hey, we've got the pick. Should we should we invest in Levis?" They're not. I think that alternate universe is fascinating because keep in mind that was the other part of this that was heavily reported was that the Colts had a love affair with Will Levis. Yeah. And that they loved him. I mean, they sent their entire staff that to go we, work him we out. We now know that's not true because they took Anthony Richardson ahead of him. My scenario is, what if none of the, all the top three quarterbacks went one, two, three, and it was Levis or Hooker at number four? And that's... What do the Colts do? And then think about, saying, that, think about that alternate universe yeah. for Will Levis where he is there in Kansas City and he walks on the podium walks on the stage at pick number four. Instead, he's taking a flight back home the next day and not sticking around for round two. And the other thing, I think it's clear, if, if the reports are true that the Titans were trying to move up to three, the only quarterback that they wanted was C.J. Stroud. That's correct. Last night. They're, all, they're being mentioned, though, with As Pittsburgh. There's a team, there's, and i got to go find the tweet, four teams that have been reported, Jeremy Fowler reported, has called Pittsburgh. And this is one I think Jeremy Fowler would know because he covers the Steelers so heavily. Yeah. That his source, there's four. And the Titans were one of them. Uh, the Seahawks? 
may have been Seahawks one. Seahawks make sense too, yeah. So those are the teams that have moved up. Coming up, or Darryl, try, trying to move up, excuse me. Daryl Moose Johnston will join us, and we give our big takeaways from last night, our favorite picks from the first round and the biggest head scratchers. That's all straight ahead on Hot Mike. Our draft reaction continues. Sixth and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us today for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Uh, not just the NFL draft uh, going on, the USFL season underway, and the president of the USFL joins us, Daryl Moose Johnston, who knows a thing or two about being drafted and a great career. Moose, good to see you, man. Hope things are going well as the season is underway. Things are going well. Things are going well. Thanks for having me. Sorry it was a little bit late. Couldn't get off of Zoom. That's a no problem. We, we, we know what it's like on the, on the Zooms there. Hey, the, the college draft process for the USFL, how would you describe it? How does it all come together after this weekend for what is a incredible seven rounds of the NFL draft and then the craziness of all of the undrafted free agent signings? Well, one of the things that we tried to do this year when, when we set up our first collegiate draft was really kind of turn it over to our, our general managers and our teams to kind of control that. We provided them uh, as much support as we could from our scouting departments and, and some of our league personnel uh, and and just let them go out and what what approach do you want to take? Because I think that that's the hardest thing for us, because if you want somebody to have the potential to join you now and, and we've we've actually put some things in place where you can get immediate contributions from anybody you drafted in that 2023 class, uh, they'll be able to come to us after the draft this weekend. If, if they did not get drafted, uh, if they don't want to go the uh, the traditional rookie minicamp route. They can jump into the USFL with the team that drafted them starting next week. And, and that was one of the things we saw last year. A lot of our guys that we had rights to that wanted to go through the draft process, went to the rookie minicamp, saw the numbers at the position, came back and said, you know what, I'd really like to come to you guys and see if I can put together some good tape and maybe change the perspective on, on who the NFL scouts think I am. And by that time, we were into week five, into week six, so we weren't able to put together a lot of good tape for the guys because they were just joining us so late in the process. So this year we've really encouraged them, you know, once that doesn't work out for you on, on the NFL draft weekend, if you feel we provide you the best opportunity and you want to not go that traditional route of getting into the rookie OTAs and, and seeing the number of guys that they're bringing into that, that environment and, and getting, getting that pitch that, Hey, you're on our short list. Uh, but when you get there, it's a pretty long list of guys that are at your position. You know, please come join us in the USFL and let us help you create that that tape that you can send out to the NFL scouts. And, and we'll have NFL scouts at our games as we get here down the stretch once they kind of wrap up with the draft process. So um, it, it's just another way that we're providing these players that opportunity. And then some of the teams were really really savvy in how they did this. Uh, it, maybe it's not a guy this year, but it's somebody that they think may go through the process this year, kind of go up and down on that 53, um, you know, end the season uh, in, a, in a way where he feels that he needs to come to the USFL mm -hmm. and put together 10 weeks of film next season with us. So it was really interesting to see how they were strategic and, hey, this is a potential guy for us in 2023. This is a potential guy for us in 2024. These guys may even be out there in 2025, and you retain the rights to those players during that entire process. 
It's a huge weekend for the USFL. Three host cities, Memphis, Birmingham, and now Detroit this weekend. I know, Moose, you're going to be there in Detroit for the return of USFL to that city. Uh, what does this weekend look like from your perspective with all these moving parts? Yeah, one of the one of the the handful of weekends that we've got three hubs in action. And so we're we're intra-hub in in Birmingham and in Memphis. So we've got a great game here Saturday Saturday morning before I head up to Detroit. And that's that's two and oh New Orleans versus two and oh Birmingham. <laughs> we've actually we've actually had to kind of separate them a little bit during the course of the week. Uh last year <laughs> when we had all eight teams here, we actually did pregame meal with the guys in the same room going through the same buffet line. Uh, we, we saw early this week that that probably wasn't going to work for us. So I love that. Uh, yeah, we, I like that. A, a little animosity is a good thing. A little animosity, yes. There's a little bit of animosity. So, um, you know, that was definitely not going to work. So I, I really do want to see that game. Um, I, I think Birmingham has done a great job defending their title. They're off to a great start. One of the better performances we've had so far early in the season last week against Memphis. But I, I really do feel that uh, th there's been some tremendous strides made. Um, by by the New Orleans franchise. I think John DeFilippo's done a great job. McLeod Bethel-Thompson has been the ultimate pro, has really helped that franchise. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And then Houston or Memphis, which team kind of gets on track a little bit this weekend? Uh, but then I'll be going to Detroit uh, Saturday afternoon uh, to get up there for the home opener for the Michigan Panthers and, and the two games that are in that hub. So looking forward to a little bit of a showdown early in the Northern Division as well as Michigan and New Jersey take on each other. Um, you know, Kind of a great opportunity for New Jersey to kind of bring Michigan back to the pack, but Michigan sure does look strong defensively. And Josh Love is playing well. Reggie Corbin had a great job or had a great game running the football. And then uh, we, we've got another group that needs to get on track as well: the battle for Pittsburgh or for Pennsylvania with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia going against each other in Detroit as well early in that day. Moose, did I see where uh, Charles Woodson was was giving a, a practice pep talk or a speech to the guys for the Panthers? And I, I know this yes. isn't new that you've had some. Pro Football Hall of Famers and others that have stopped by practice to talk to teams. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, just to have Charles there, you know, what, what he meant to the University of Michigan, um, you know, the connections that he has up there still, you know, the the, the volume and the weight that his name carries. Um, it, it was just a great opportunity. He was going to be in town for some promotional things. And, uh, you know, Mike Nolan, you know, has done a tremendous job. Uh, he and Steve Kayser, the general manager, of, of getting Michigan into the position they're in right now. Um, I, I think when we go back to last year and you looked at it, you know, Michigan was one of our, our, our good teams. They got off to a tough start when it was special teams and, and just a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the quarterback play wasn't to the level that, that they would have hoped. And that, that slow start kind of hampered them all the way through the course of the season. They've gotten off to a great start this week in, in both of those phases. And that defense is is probably playing as good uh, and, and really probably the best of any of our defenses in the USFL right now. So a great opportunity for for those young men to have an opportunity to hear Charles Woodson speak. And and we when we have an opportunity to do that with, with people that are in our networks, uh, we, we try the, the hardest we possibly can to do that. We had Jimmy Johnson to address all four of our playoff teams last year at Canton. And, and this is another one of those situations uh, where you have a guy like Charles Woodson that has an opportunity to visit with the guys up in Michigan. Moose, what's your what's your draft day story out of Syracuse? Oh, mine is uh, mine's kind of it's kind of quirky. I think a lot of people forget. Uh, you know, there was a there was actually a trade involved. You know, with my draft process, so um, it, it was really strange because you know you try to you try to predict where you think you're going to go. Uh, I had two good workouts, um, you know, for 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 the teams that I, that I felt confident with the conversation, with the workout, 
I had Don Shula actually come out before the draft and say, we're going to take the fullback from Syracuse in the second round. Um, but then Lewis Oliver, uh, the big safety from the University of Florida, was one of the guys, like we saw Will Levis last night. Here's a guy that's a first-round you know, talent that's dropping. So Miami puts together a package and goes back into the first round and takes Lewis Oliver. Well, well, part of that package was the pick they were going to use to select me. So when that happened, you know, that, that was one of the teams. Uh, I had a really good workout for Washington. And, and, you know, shortly after that, you know, they, they put together a deal, you know, to get Gerald Riggs from the Atlanta Falcons up to Washington. And then you, you know, you've got everybody looking at you going, okay, what next? And I'm like, well, we could be here for a pretty long time. Cause those were, those were my two odds on, you know, easy picks for me, uh, you know, through this process, you know, somewhere in the second, third round. Um, and the Dallas Cowboys had actually taken Steve Wisniewski with the first pick of the second round. Um, and then it was a relationship that existed between, you know, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson and, and Al Davis and Al Davis being a Syracuse guy. Um, you know, they reached out, they, they, they had targeted me. They didn't want to take me with the first pick of the second round. So they made the trade with, uh, with the LA Raiders. So they took Steve Wisniewski or they traded that pick to the Raiders and they took uh, Steve Wisniewski with that pick. And then the pick they got in return at number 39, the Dallas Cowboys uh, selected me. So, which was great. Cause I was a huge Larry Zonka fan, you know, growing up as a kid and, you know, Larry wore 39 with the Dolphins. He went to Syracuse University. So all of a sudden you start to, you start to pick up on all those, uh, all, all that symmetry and synergy there. So um, it was an interesting day. It, it started off very uncertain um, and then really kind of came into focus for me and, and, and very blessed that, that I was a part of that, that Dallas turnaround. Uh, you know, Troy Aikman was in my class. Mark Stepnowski was in my class. Tony Tolbert was in my class. And, and we take a lot of pride, you know, all four of us played, you know, over 10 years, you know, in the NFL. Um, so, we, you know, we always talk about, you know, almost almost 50 years of, of of NFL seasons, you know, with our draft class in 1989 to the Dallas Cowboys. And they're still talking about that era. Yeah, and and, and they're Dallas. still talking about second round fullbacks because we'll never see that again yeah. in the NFL draft. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. I don't think we're going to see any fullbacks go in the second round. Tonight. I might not see fullbacks regardless of what round <laughs> yeah, they take. I'd never see them again. Moose, thank you for the time, man. Congrats on uh, season number two well underway with the success of the first two games, first two weeks, and, and the three hubs this weekend. And good luck with the travel, getting back and forth. Yeah, probably my biggest concern is the guy staying healthy and and, and the and the airlines being on time because yeah. I got a tight connection <laughs> leaving Birmingham. No, that's always the case. Moose, uh, thank you, man. We appreciate you. You got it, guys. Thanks a lot. And check out the the broadcast Saturday and Sunday, uh, second of the doubleheader on Saturday on Fox USA Fox, and then uh, games on Sunday including Peacock and NBC. Um, Chad, uh, and by the way, uh, great to have Moose on and the new president of the USFL. Yes. Um, your favorite pick, the steal of the first round. Uh, let's let's go through these. I've got two. I have I, two I, as well. And, I, and I, we, we have seen these, so we don't double up. At least I believe that's the case. Number one for me, and I know you, I, I think you agree with me here, Jalen Carter lasting to Philadelphia. I didn't think he would make it past Seattle and then past Detroit. And he and he does, based on how the trades worked out and Philly moving up to go get him. And they get the guy that, I mean, Carter called his shot. He said, hey, if I'm there when Philly selects, I'm not going to be there when the next team picks after the Eagles uh, because I'm going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. And the investment that has been made by the Philadelphia Eagles on the Georgia defense 
Um, even going back to last year with uh, Jordan Davis, and I know they end up with Nolan Smith too. Uh, great player here, off the field concerns, what have you. Best player in the draft on the field for me is Jalen Carter, and they, he goes to a franchise that's already deep and that has very little questions about expectations and where they're capable of headed in 2023. And then I thought the top corner in the draft was Christian Gonzalez. Size, speed, athleticism. And it's, it's odd to me how New England ends up having players fall directly to them that make a ton of sense for them. Other teams pass up on Christian Gonzalez because, well, they're not as bad at third down defense as maybe New England was last year. They were 21st in the league on third down defense. Especially, and that's only going to get more difficult now in that division. And they get the top flight corner from Oregon by way of Colorado in a division that just added Aaron Rodgers and a defense that needs that man-to-man ability on the outside. Fell right to them, and I think he's a steal for where he was. And I think he's a top 10 type talent that lasted all the way to New England in the middle of the first round. Hutton, I love your selection so much that I didn't see that you put those oh, in the really? rundown first. And uh, these were my initial picks. Okay. I sent them in a text, but I also had some other ones, so I went ahead and, and erased those and did that. But Good. we're on the exact same wavelength, okay? So that, just to let you know, that's how close I we like are. I like yours too. My steal's the first round. Well, I cut one in half. I kind of split the baby in half on one of them that I went with the steals of the draft because it was one team involved. But my biggest deal of the draft was Miles Murphy going to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a great team that got even better. I'm surprised that he was available there at pick number 30. Yeah. Where he was in, in the draft. Not 30. Uh, in the late 20s where he was. Because pick number 30 I'm going to get to here momentarily. But I think it's a great pickup for the Bengals defense. They need more people who can affect the quarterback. This is someone who can. He was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. He delivered at Clemson. I really like this for Cincinnati, bulking up that defense with their first-round pick. And second, I'm going to go with half of what you're talking about with Jalen Carter. That's Nolan Smith to Philly. Look, I think the Eagles, the last couple of years, I mean, the huge winners in this draft with those yeah. two guys from the same great defense at Georgia. Nolan Smith is one of those dudes that is just super productive. He's got the injury. That took him out of this season. That That's always a concern. But when on the field, he is a great player. Love that pick for Philly. That defense gets even better. So I'm going two defensive guys. Steal the draft. Miles Murphy to Cincinnati. Nolan Smith to Philadelphia. I mean, they had uh, Philly's defense had, what, four players with double-digit sacks last year? Nolan Smith didn't have a season with more than four sacks at Georgia. And you mentioned the injuries. But the upside and the athleticism and the, the ability to where they can just plug and play guys now on that Philly defense, tremendous. You know, they, they reload much like Georgia and Alabama. It's hard to go it feels wrong like with a Philly Georgia right defensive player uh, yeah, I'm based on their standing coming out of high and, school and the way they were developed under Kirby Smart. And Cincinnati took a defensive lineman in the first round for the first time since 2001. You're right about the fall. I didn't think Murphy would. I thought Murphy was going to be. Do you know who that defensive lineman was in 2001? Who was it? David Pollock. Oh, now yes. on college game day, who quickly hurt his neck when You're he was right, a defensive yeah. tackle in Cincinnati. Yep, career ended Georgia. early. Yep, and another uh, Georgia defensive Georgia lineman. Connection. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like both of those two. And Murphy, that great value for where I thought 
he was going to be valued higher. Um, and a lot of this was due to the fact that the quarterbacks, you know, we didn't see a run on Levis or Hooker and trades up for the QBs, or, or for that matter, the offensive tackles. We saw the defensive linemen drafted and others pushed down because of the value for tackle early in this draft. The biggest miss last night, to me, it's, an, it's a layup here, and it's Mel Kuyper Jr. and what we saw with the hype around Will Lavis. Uh, the, the, in January, I think it was January 25th, when he put out his top board, his big board, and Will Levis was number one, his top player on the board, and the top player for the guru at ESPN. And Kuyper's made a living off of this, and he is the standard when it comes to why the NFL is where it is right now on the hype for this event. But the hype led to a television event last night where we're all watching Will Levis and the drama that was playing out as team by team passed him up. So much so that he's passed up on the option of coming back to Kansas City tonight. He's out of there. I don't blame him. Um, and Kuiper, I believe, in his final mock draft got one pick correct on the 31 selection. So biggest miss, Mel Kuiper for 2023. Many would hope that Mel Kuiper would leave and not Will Levis from Kansas City <laughs> after his performance last night. I said it to open the show, but if you're angry about Will Levis, blame Mel Kuyper because he led the hype train yeah. on Will Levis being the top pick overall for the longest time, the top quarterback in the draft, and had people thinking he was a surefire first-round pick. And as we found out last night, that was not the case. My biggest miss last night had me so irrationally fired up watching it, and I'm not quite sure why, but it was the <laughs> NFL – shoving the fact that their Sunday ticket is going to YouTube down our throats to the point that they brought out Dude Perfect to make a pick with Travis and Jason Kelsey's mom last night. It was so forced and uncomfortable, and it was clear. I don't know if they're from Kansas City or not. They were introduced as, you all know YouTube content creators, Dude Perfect. They're going to help us now. It was so bad, I, I erased whatever the hell they were doing from my mind. I don't even know what the bit was. I, did, I, I couldn't even hear them talking the moment I heard Roger Goodell say, and that's a good reminder that now you can get Sunday ticket and all the NFL games on YouTube. And I'm thinking, of all the times to force a sponsorship and to hawk something to people, during the NFL draft in a first round, and you bring out some YouTubers – to do that, give me a break. That pissed me off to no end, <laughs> and I'm still irrationally angry about it. It was a huge swing and a miss by the NFL. They got a lot right last night. They got some things wrong. This was one of those things they got gigantically wrong last night. I hated it. I'm glad I stuck around six in the Peabody to watch the draft. And didn't, I didn't have didn't, to see this. Didn't have to see that? <laughs> yes, I, I almost threw that. my remote through the TV. The moment it happened, I'm like, oh, no, dude, perfect. We're going to push, get pushing people to YouTube now. Come on. Hated it. Perfect landing spot uh, for players involved. Bryce Young, for me, uh, get, goes to an organization that he's going to be a superstar there. I think he's a, a perfect, the, the perfect makeup for what Carolina needs at the position. And he's got Frank Reich and others within that offense that have worked with quarterbacks or played the position. And, I mean, I don't know where you come down on Carolina, Chad, but there doesn't seem to be a ton of expectation for Carolina in 2023. Meanwhile, I think there's going to be all eyes on what we're going to see from C.J. Stroud versus Anthony Richardson versus wherever Will Levis ends up. 
But Carolina, they're in a bad division where we saw last year, you could be a 500 team and you can win the division and go to the playoffs. So the bar is just different for Bryce Young. And I mentioned earlier, too, he's barely a headline today. He's the number one overall pick. You want to talk about hype and, you, and expectation and pressure. I, there's pressure on the number one overall pick, no doubt. But I don't hear anyone saying they made the wrong call. Bryce Young's the best quarterback in this draft, and the fit there is with an organization that traded up. When they traded up with Chicago, they knew they were going to get their franchise quarterback and who it was. They made the right call just like Houston did with C.J. Stroud. I like it from the standpoint of I know he's going to get a great opportunity to succeed in Carolina because of what they've invested to trade up to number one to get him. Yep. So they are going to be very patient, and that's going to be a good culture for him to step into. But I can't totally agree with it because I don't know what that culture is going to be under Frank Reich yet. We think we know from in Indianapolis, and there were mixed results with him in Indianapolis, but I don't know what the Frank Reich offense is going to look like Reich is a quarterback developer, what that's going to look like with a very different style quarterback than we've yeah. seen before with him. So I like being there with David Tepper, with that organization, and an opportunity to succeed where they're going to be patient. I just don't know how the other factors work out. Um, my player that landed in a perfect spot last night, Hutton, let's go up north to Buffalo. Dalton Kincaid with the Bills I think is terrific. They've got Dawson Knox there right now as a tight end, and he has done some really good things. Yeah, Big touchdown catcher for them. He's done good things with that offense, but Dawson Knox is a really good blocker. He's more of the complete tight end. Dalton Kincaid is a jumbo wide receiver. You know, He's not Travis Kelsey, but think Travis Kelsey style in terms of he's a guy out running routes, catching balls, and that's exactly what Buffalo's going to use him for. I love the pick. I love Josh Allen throwing to this guy. I think it was a, a pick that made sense, to quote one of our old buddies in broadcasting, Hutton, for the Buffalo Bills. I love that spot for Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. Dalton Kincaid with 107 receptions for 1,400 yards in his small career, short career yep. at Utah um, because he had just one reception in 2020, and then all of the production came in 2021 and 2022. But here's the thing. Over the last two years... Dawson Knox has averaged about the same amount of production. Yeah. He's averaged 50 catches a season, and combined he's got a 1,000 yards receiving in Buffalo. The tandem there is going to be really good. And to your point, I mean, you're pairing him with Josh Allen. Some of the things just make sense no matter who the player is, right? And you can have two really good tight ends and both, both have yeah. production. But I do think that Kincaid could end up being – the slightly younger, better pass-catching version of Dawson Knox. And that's no knock at Dawson Knox, who you mentioned has been very productive. Although but last I think he could become that. Yeah, yeah, and, he, and you're right. I think he, Kincaid can jump in and be what Knox has been. Yep. And he doesn't need two years to get things going. Uh, Head-scratcher. Biggest surprise of the first round. For me, it's Jameer Gibbs with Detroit. I, know, I mean, there's no doubt they love this dude. Watch Brad Holmes and his reaction in the draft room whenever they picked him last night. But the reports are from Tom Pelissero, Chad, that they loved him so much that the understanding would be that they would have been comfortable taking him at number six. And instead, they traded the pick with Arizona, added pick 34 tonight, and then they still get their guy at 12. Now, if you believe that, 
that means they would have selected Jameer Gibbs over Robinson, which is also surprising to me that they would have made that pick. That would have been the big shock. The fact that they didn't select uh, Gibbs over another running back here, that's, I think it's more, uh, it makes more sense, but it's still a high pick for a player that I thought was not at that same level, and it's how we value the Look, position. that's the right pick. Jameer Gibbs was shocked that he was selected as high as he was. So that is absolutely the right pick. I'm going to give you the other right pick last night. Okay. It's C.J. Stroud of the Texans. That was the first oblique moment of the first yeah. round. Yep. Because everyone was shocked. Not that he shouldn't go there. He should have absolutely gone there. It was the right pick for the Texans. But based off of reports that the Texans were out on C.J. Stroud and either someone was going to trade up to draft in there or the Texans were going to go with another player, maybe Will Anderson Jr., who they got with the next pick after trading with the Cardinals yeah. and trading up. Either way, that was a shocker in the moment. You look back and say, well, you know, years from now, well, oh, C.J. Stroud, that made sense to go quarterback there and get the prolific quarterback from Ohio State. But in the moment, that was a huge, huge surprise. And it was the first move-to-the-edge-of-your-seat moment in what was a wild first round of the NFL draft last night. To me, the whole C.J. Stroud behind-the-scenes drama of the last two weeks fascinates me. Yeah. The, he got drugged for no good C reason. You had the S2 cognitive score that dropped. The fact that Houston had soured on him. You had the David Mogaletta uh, The fact he didn't go to the Manning drama. Passing Academy. Yeah, that he – well, then that was refuted, right, yeah. that, that he had never actually confirmed he was going right. to begin with. But you had everything start to just uh, – it was a tornado effect. You know, and it just, no one was actually coming to his defense, really. It was like, oh, Houston soured on him. Where does he fall now? Will a team trade up to three? The fact that all that was leaked, and it was, to me it was leaked based on the 18% or whatever he scored at the very bottom. Because there's yep. a dramatic drop between him and the second worst, which was Hendon Hooker. It's 49, I think. Shannon Terry said that 50% or better is considered good, a good result of that test. And that it was leaked that it was 18% is jarring when you see it with no context of what the actual quote-unquote test is. Um, that then paired with the storyline that the Titans were trying to get Houston to take Stroud and then trade all of their assets to go get Will Anderson as the player they really wanted is also weird. And we combine everything. And then you see Stroud's reaction when he's drafted thinking like, all of that and the emotions poured into for exactly what I expected. Yeah, that it's it was it was just odd how things played out, and Houston still ends up with the quarterback that they should have said didn't have to say should have never allowed it to get to the point where there was any speculation or hesitation of who they were taking because they're claiming now that oh we got our guy and they're texting like oh we knew all along. Well, of course they did, and why the smokescreen for a team that's picking number two overall? When you know that Bryce Young's going and, one. And that's going to be the big mystery now. And I don't know that we'll ever have the answer. Was it a smoke screen or was there a change with, with them? Yeah. In what they wanted to do? We'll, we'll never know because that, it happened all they're yesterday. going to talk about is how in love they were with C.J. Stroud throughout the process. That's all we'll hear publicly now. If there was a change, it happened yesterday. Maybe. Although Daniel Jeremiah hit on this two days ago in his final mock. But no one thought would... Well, I, didn't have it in my, I didn't have it in my uh, mock draft because John McClain said they wouldn't oh, draft I, him. But I, I did bet on it a week and a half oh, ago well just thinking that someone would trade up to number two to get him. 
so that he would be the number two <laughs> overall pick. So I did win some money. Coming up, Taylor Bashotti will join us. That's in roughly 40 minutes or so. Looking forward to that conversation. We will also uh, chat more about the best players available as the second round gets going. Where do we have Will Levis? Where do we have other skill positions versus the quarterbacks as round two begins? And trade talks are apparently happening with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have the first selection tonight. When we come back, uh, a mascot. This is legit. Turned himself in. That's next on Hot Mike. Chad, we discussed the story with the Rockies mascot a week or so ago where the fan just lays him out. It was a perfect little tackle. But I thought at first glance, it looks like a setup, like yeah. a, a bit, right? Well, the attacker for the mascot has turned himself in. He's been sighted, and we'll see what happens with him. But he had to turn himself in in the the drunken rage of taking down the mascot. Surprised it almost looked like a prank, you know? Surprised he got away with that. No, no, just no one thought to do anything to him there. Not too difficult to see but who even, it was in a stadium full of people. A lot yeah. of eyewitnesses to that attack of the mascot. Yeah, maybe he had like the, the, the trap door that the Undertaker used to use at WrestleMania or whatever. You know, just, just yeah. escapes. Or he just works in the grounds crew and he just put on a normal <laughs> shirt and he just escaped through the bowels of Takes off the cape Coors and Field. Clark Kent. Got the heck out of there. Yeah. I have watched a game at Coors Field. That's a pretty cool place. I have never been. Pretty cool place. I, I was there on a very five, hot, like, July day. Top five stadium for you? or um, It kind of blends in with some other ones. Like, I think of, like, Bush Stadium. You know, a similar sort of setup to yeah. the new Bush Stadium, which is also really nice. But I went Old up on Bush there. Stadium was awesome. They have a sun deck, like a top, like roof level at Coors Field, and went up there and watched some innings of that game. And it's one of those places that, like, you go in there, and it's a full-on like bar club that you wouldn't even know a game's going on. Like, there's music blaring, the game's on the TVs, but you walk in the bar, then you walk out into That's sun deck, and you could just roast up there. I remember getting roasted by the sun, standing on top of the stadium in center did you, field. Did you have visions of a hologram of Dante Bichette just raking? Yes, Andres Galarraga actually <laughs> joined me in the club. We did a couple Jaeger bombs and to, to toast his bombs that he would hit Todd at Helton. Coors Field. Todd Helton, another another great one. Yeah. It's a, Larry Walker. Oh, yeah, Larry Walker. Again, uh, an era where you can still remember their swings. And the, oh, yeah. <laughs> And the Roids. <laughs> Something I was thinking about with that 93 expansion, the Rockies and the Marlins when they came into the league, that initial Marlins uniform, they need to go back go to Go back that. to it. With the teal helmet and the pinstripes that they had. I'm they had that. the Marlins with the pinstripes. Yeah. I've, I've seen it a couple times they've worn that teal helmet again. They need to go to that full time. The throwbacks. The throwbacks. Yeah. Um, the Rockies have never deviated too far from the original you know, color scheme, uniform. So I'm okay with what they've done. Check out the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. It's available now at outkick.com. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday at outkick.com. Uh, just click on shows. You can find it there. Again, new episode today. Uh, new one out again on Tuesday. Kevin Durant becomes the third NBA player to ink a lifetime contract with Nike. He joins Michael Jordan and LeBron James. He won't be the last, but the... Do you... Do you hear a lot about the Durant shoe? No. I don't either. 
Also, I don't hear a lot about any shoe other than Jordan because I don't. I'm LeBron, not a, uh, you do see. I'm them. not a sneakerhead, so I don't know. The Steph Curry shoe is that a thing? I mean, he's got a deal. He's All these Under guys Armour, have a right? deal, right? Isn't Steph Curry with Under Armour? You would know better I, than me. We'll get you enough to figure Go either. watch Air. That's a good movie. You want to know about shoes? There's, there's a nice plug. Watch that film. Terrific. Taylor Bashotti previews Matt round two a revelation. of the draft. But when we come back, best players available. That's where we'll lead next.